These days, it's easy to know what people are against and what they're for. In our new City First Church series, Jesus for the People, we'll be answering the questions, what is Jesus for and who is Jesus for? Here's the spoiler, the good news. Jesus is for you. And that changes everything. Welcome to City First Church. I am so glad to be in the building with you. Uh, I want to say what's up to all our friends in Florida. Come on, can we make some noise for our God Behind Bars locations as well? We love you guys. Uh, whether you're watching this message on your Peloton, maybe you figured out a way to stream that to your Peloton. I'm impressed if you did that. Roku, Apple TV, YouTube, Facebook, all the places you could be watching today's message. I want you to know that I believe God has a message for this season of of our lives. Over the past couple of weeks, we have been doing uh, a series called Jesus for the People. Week one, uh, Jared talked about how Jesus is for the frustrated. If you've ever found yourself frustrated, I want you to know Jesus is for you. Week two, we looked at Jesus is for the unqualified. If you've ever found yourself in a place in life where you go, man, God can't use me for some reason or another, I want you to know Jesus is for you. Um, Today, I don't want to look at a, a, a group of people uh, necessarily that Jesus is for, but I want to look at something that he, like an idea that he was all about. And I think this absolutely changes the game for how we relate with the people in our world. Today, I want to talk to you about how Jesus is for loving our enemies. Now, before you turn off this message, before you get up and leave, um, I, I just want to submit a question to you, because I, honestly, when we think about our enemies, the first thing we think about is like, well, yeah, we're not supposed to love them, like, especially in 2020, in perhaps the most polarizing year you and I have experienced to date, we're going, man, I, I, hating our enemies, this is kind of a part of culture, but Jesus is for loving our enemies, and so I just want to submit a question, okay, before you turn it off, okay, and if after this question you turn it off, okay, I get it, okay, but listen, I want, I want to just ask you one question, and maybe this might make us lean in just a little bit, I just want to ask a question, what has hating our enemies done for us lately? I mean, what has hating our enemies done for us lately? We've tried a lot of things. But I don't know that we're getting any closer. I don't know that people are getting better. I don't know that our lives are getting any better by hating our enemies. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I believe that there are some people here today that you would consider yourself a Jesus person, you consider yourself a Christian. So loving your enemies is something you can get on board with, but maybe you haven't actually implemented that into your life. Uh, but there also might be some people that are watching, some people that are here today, that you wouldn't consider yourself a Jesus person. You wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, and perhaps the reason you don't is because, well, you met a Christian. You had an experience with a Christian. You lived next to one. You work with one. You dated one, and then he ghosted you, and you went, he's supposed to be a Christian, or you married one. Oops, and then something bad happened. You went, no, I don't want anything to do with that. And maybe you find yourself in a position today where you're going, but I know something needs to change. Like you, I've had experience with Christians that I thought, uh, I don't know about them. I don't know if you've ever been on the internet, you've been watching some Christians post, and you thought to yourself, Christians are so weird. Then about 10 seconds later, you realize, I am one. And I can't put this separation between 
me and them, I get it that the brand of Christianity sometimes doesn't have the best reputation. I've often found a gap between the brand of Christianity and the person of Christ. And what I want to invite us to do today is to look at the words of Jesus and the life of Jesus and go, man, what if we did life his way? In fact, first century Christians weren't called Christians. They were called followers of the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. In other words, his way was so amazing that other people said, this is the way to live. We're going to live our lives following his way. His way flipped the world upside down. Nobody ever lived like this. No one ever thought like this. No one ever loved like this. People are going, man, I really like his way. You want to know what we all have in common? We all have a way. I learned that I had a way. I didn't even know my way was a way until I got married. And I realized, ooh, I got a way of doing just about everything. I, I got a way that I fold clothes and do laundry. My wife has another way. We don't even do laundry at the same time. No, no, I got certain fabric softener that I like. I don't want my clothes smelling like your clothes. I want my clothes smelling a certain way. And your clothes stink. My clothes smell good. Okay, I got Downy Fresh. I don't know what you're using on your stuff. Like, it's just different. We, we, we load the dishwasher a different way. We watch our kids a different way. My wife watches the kids. It's, it's a whole classroom. It's a whole educational experience. They're out there reading books and feeling different things, learning about animals. I'm playing how high can I throw my children in the air legally and catch them. Like I'm doing a whole bunch of other stuff. Like we have a different way in which we do it. Uh, us here today, we all have different ways in which we govern our home. Some, some, if I went to some of your houses right now, you'd say, hey, take off your shoes. Other people are like, no, man, keep your shoes on, man. Some of you would say, make yourself at home. Some of you are like, no, do not make yourself at home. Your feet stink, okay? Um, we all have a way that we do cleaning. We all have a way that we brush our teeth. Some of us, our breath been stank for years, and we didn't know it until we started wearing masks all the time. Now you know what the rest of the world been enduring for 10 years. Thank God for COVID-19. Now, here's the deal. We all have a way. We all have a COVID way. Have you noticed that? You, some people wear masks, but they, hold, they, they wear their mask like right here. It's like, hey, bro, pick your mask up, okay? Has somebody ever been wearing a mask and walked up to you and took it down to talk to you? Like, you missed the point of the mask, okay? So, but we all have a COVID way. We have a CDC way. We have a way of doing so many things. We also have a way in which we treat people that we disagree with. We have a way in which we oppose one another. We have a way in which we deal with our enemies. And I would propose today that our way isn't working. The way we treat enemies, the way we, the way we look at someone that votes differently than us, the way we look at someone that posts different than us. Man, we, I wanna submit to you today I think we should be followers of the way, the way. There's lots of conjecture going on in 2020 about Jesus. I love that people are trying to answer this question, what would Jesus do? And then they say something, we're like, I don't know if Jesus would do that. And then they'd be like, well, what would Jesus say? They go, I think Jesus would say, I think Jesus would protest. I think this is who Jesus would endorse. I mean, we've heard some crazy things about Jesus, like some people speaking for Jesus, but I'm like, I don't know. I've had people even tell me, this is what Jesus would post, to which I go, okay, 
Well, on what social platform? Does Jesus have TikTok or Snapchat? Is he on Facebook or does he have a public page? Is someone else running that page? Is it Judas? What are we doing? What, how do you know what Jesus would do? What I want to invite you to do today is to follow in his way, to look at the life of Jesus in this core hallmark of who Jesus is, it's core to, to, to the person of Jesus, and it's loving our enemies. This idea is found in Matthew chapter 5, which is the Sermon on the Mount. This is uh, the most famous ever, the most ser famous sermon ever. Um, scholars believe that this sermon took about three days to deliver, and uh, this would perhaps be day one. This is the first part of that sermon. It's found Matthew chapter 5, and it goes like this. It says, verse 38, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. This is perhaps the number one verse that people struggle with to go, ah, I don't know. My new favorite rapper says it like this, try Jesus, don't try me because I throw hands. You know, it's this, it's this idea of like, hey man, you ain't, you ain't just going to slap me and expect me to just turn other cheek. I can do a lot of things, you know, I can love my neighbor, but you want me to turn other cheek? I, I, I don't know about that, but I, it, this is part of, of, of the brand of, of Jesus, but I want to give us just a little bit more context to what Jesus was speaking about. When Jesus speaks of a slap on your right cheek, it was culturally understood as a deep insult, not a physical attack. This was something that was going on in the soul. Like if someone were to, to slap you, it was, a, it was a sign of, I don't respect you. It is an insult. It is a derogatory term. Something is being said about you that hurts your soul at the deepest level. You are offended. To which Jesus is going, hey, in that moment, keep it moving. Uh, I, I think Jesus, uh, I, I like this illustration because um, if any one of you was slapped right now, your natural reaction would be to slap back, maybe slap back one or two times, throw hands, maybe shoot them. I don't know. I don't know your story. But you're like, I don't know how crazy you are, but, but you might have some history that makes you go, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to make sure that this person never slaps anybody ever again. Okay? But your natural reaction would be, to respond back. It's the same thing Jesus is trying to illustrate for us whenever we're insulted. That the temptation is to, well, insult back. This is what we were taught in middle school. Remember, if someone talking about my mama, then that gives me the right to talk about yo mama. And so literally, we were giving out social trophies in middle school for people that had the ability to dig deep within their soul to be able to do a what? A comeback. You said something about me. Oh, now I'm going to come back at you in poetic fashion. And so whoever could do that the most, we would actually applaud their ability to find the worst about themselves and spew it out on someone else. Is that really who we want to be? Jesus is going, do you realize who you have to become to insult them back? The insulting game is one you don't have to play. 
We're not talking about someone that is weak. We're not talking about someone that is saying, well, okay, I'm, just, I'm not going to defend myself if I'm physically attacked. No, we're looking at something that is insulting, something that offends us, something that, that grinds our gears. And here's what I want you to know about an insult. It is an invitation to pull you out of character. Do not RSVP. Do not go to that insult party. Trust me, you will have to become somebody you don't want to be. In fact, the design of the insult in the first place was to get you off guard. The design of that insult in the first place was to get you out of who God has actually called you to be. Some of us have fallen for the trap of going, well, I got to defend myself. Jesus is going, you do? Who said that? Who's making these rules. What do you mean you have to defend yourself? In fact, I believe if you're insulted and you respond to it, perhaps there is some insecurity about your identity in the first place. You can call me what you want to, but I only answer to what I'm called to and who I'm called to. I already know who I am, and if I already know who I am, I don't have to spend time defending myself regardless of what you have to say about me. In fact, I realize that I only have so much energy in the day to put towards God's purpose in my life. If I pause in my day to respond to your insults, I have now just wasted energy and become somebody God didn't call me to be in the first place, all trying to prove something to you that I'm strong. I'm strong by not responding. This is an invitation from Jesus. He's going, listen, this is how I want you to begin to deal with what's going on on the inside of your soul. He goes on and says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 40. He says, if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat to. Um, the disciples he's, he's talking to and this crowd he's talking to in, in that day and age, if you were sued for property, there were multiple layers like they lived in Chicago. You know what I mean? Like it's cold. And so they only had to give their inner garment. Jesus is going... Let them have it all. Like, what? No, 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 Jesus, they're going to take advantage. They're going to take all my stuff. They're going to take everything from me. Jesus is going, everything? Are you sure that everything? How nice is your coat? It's just a coat. I have watched people fight for everything, and they got to keep the house and lost the marriage because they're going, this is my stuff. It's just stuff. Jesus is going, you're going to let separation come in between you and someone else over stuff that you believe you've earned? Man, it's just a coat, man. Let it go. It's just stuff. How many of us have lost some relationships over arguing over something that we look back on and we go, it was just stuff. It's just a car. You know what happens to cars? No matter how nice they are, they rust. You know, one of, you know one, of, one of the things that brings solace and peace to my heart is when I see like a, a 2001 Escalade. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, I really thought 20 years ago this was everything. And now it's like nothing. That's everything we own right now that we hold dear. It's just stuff. Jesus is going, you can have stuff. I don't want that stuff to have you. 
Don't, don't let that carry you through court and all of a sudden you're fighting for stuff for two years because you, I want you to have stuff. I don't want the stuff to have you. Don't let that come between you and somebody else. And then he says this in verse 41, it says, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Um, this is what Jesus was refer referring to and speaking to. He was speaking to a law that was called Pax Romana. Pax Romana uh, allowed a soldier to make any young boy who was Jewish or Hebrew and say, hey, you have to carry my gear for at least one mile by law. It was uh, the Roman Empire's way of making sure everyone knew that they were in charge. This was a walk of shame. A boy could be playing with his friends, says, hey, you, did you carry my stuff? Even if his horse could, could carry it easily. Say that, they say that the gear was probably anywhere between 60 and 80 pounds, and so it was this walk of shame. This boy is carrying this stuff for, for a mile. Jesus is going, you want to know how to deal with that? You want to know how to deal with that shameful experience? You want to know how you want to deal with your enemy? Kill him with kindness. Can you imagine? You're a Roman soldier. Um, you're a jerk. Uh, you're trying to prove your, your authority over people. Hey, you, carry my stuff. And somebody responded, I got you. Where are you going? How far? A mile? Man, I got you on two, bro. Two miles. I got you. No problem. What, what, do, you, what do you mean? You, two miles? No, no, no. The law says one. Yeah, I got you. I'm going to go the extra mile, though. Come on. Let's go. What do you, what do, you do with it? You want to know why this is brilliant on Jesus' part? Um, every... Everyone that Jesus was around was going, I hope he saves us from the Roman Empire. I hope he eradicates them altogether. Yet if you study the teachings of Jesus, it's like they barely even get honorable mention. It's like you can't even tell that the Roman Empire is his enemy. I mean, they are the ones that crucified him in the first place. Jesus is going, yeah, I don't need to save you from them. I actually need to save them and you. And the way we do that is by loving them. I didn't come to get rid of them. I came to save them. His way was just so much different than anybody else. He's like, yeah, go the extra mile. Can you imagine if this is what Christians were known for? Can you imagine if this was how we operated at our job? Can you imagine if the people that we work with, when they say, hey, man, we need you to work on Saturday, you go, yeah, 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 that's cool. Yeah, what you need? Hey, we need you to stay, we need you to stay until about six today. Hey, I got you to seven, what's up? Like that's people that would just go the extra mile that would say, you know what, man? We're, I'm not gonna let you have a hold on my life. I want you to know that I am following a way that is so much higher than my own way or even getting my own way. This is the setup that Jesus is, is, is laying a foundation for before he says, something that is so iconic before he says the thing that completely separated him from any other teacher in human history where he says what we're talking about today you have heard the law that says love your neighbor and cancel your enemy this slide is broken that ain't what it says in the bible it says you have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy they were actually taught that it was their religious duty to hate their enemy like, oh, that's good. Hey, take care of your neighbor. The people like you, yeah, take care of them. But if it's the enemy, yeah, yeah, you're supposed to hate them. Jesus goes, no, nah, that ain't, that's not how we roll them. 
I, I know what you heard, but I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. What? I mean, if you're a guy behind bars right now, you're going, what, what did he say? If you're in Florida right now, you're going, whoa, whoa, what, what, what? You're in the state line area right now, you're going, whoa, 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 Jesus, I, 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 listen, it, 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 wave at him, okay? Okay, I'll wave at him. I, I'll give you a wave, Jesus. But love, pray. I mean, let's just think about what we've tried thus far with these people. We've tried posting about them. That changed them, right? No. Um, we've tried complaining about them. That changed. Have you ever complained someone into change? No. We've tried hating them. We've tried holding bitterness towards them. What's that done for us? What has that done to them? Did that get them? Ooh, you got them. Holding on to that, that unforgiveness, that bitterness. Ooh, you'll show them. What if they're not even watching? But yet, you treat everyone like them. So now it's actually ruined a bunch of your relationships. The question I want you to ask this weekend is this, is have I even tried praying for them? Like, When was the last time I even just paused and prayed for someone that was wearing a different jersey, cheering for a different team? I mean, can you imagine what our lives would look like if we just paused long enough to say, you know what? I'm not really sure that anything else I've tried is working. So what if I just prayed for those people. Uh, one of uh, the favorite things that me and my wife love doing for date night since it's COVID year and you have to kind of figure out how to do fun stuff without being able to spend time in crowds of people. So now one of the things that we, we have found that we, we love to do is we love touring other neighborhoods. My wife's really into interior design. So um, our favorite thing is to find gated communities that leave the gate open for about 10 seconds too long and we <laughs> go in there, sue me. Um, so I wave at the neighbors like I live there. What's up, y'all? Y'all good? They're like, oh, yeah, what? does he live there? I might. Who knows what the Lord going to do in this neighborhood, you know? So, um, so we'll be driving through the neighborhoods and just admiring the ambiance and different nuances of different architecture. And some uh, neighborhoods are newer. Some are older. Some have different character. And, you know, we kind of we do our thing. And, and it's, just, it's just fun for us. And so um, lately what we've noticed is we'll pull into some neighborhoods and... We'll, we'll see a, a sign in the yard that says, vote for Biden. We're like, oh, here we go. I see what kind of neighborhood we're in. All right, cool. At least I know. Then we drive another 30 yards. And all of a sudden, about 30 yards later, we see a different sign that says, vote for Trump. I said, babe, what do you think's happening here? This is getting interesting. And then we drive a little bit, and then we see this mansion. It's got this a, a whole banner hanging off the master bedroom next to a, a, a slide going into a pool. Okay, I told you it was a gated community. They weren't playing games, okay? So I see this banner. It says, vote for Trump. I said, ooh, they ain't playing. But then we look across the street, and they have a competition going on. There's another banner across the street that says, vote for Biden. I said, babe, what do you think it's like for them when they take out the trash at the same time? I mean, this is, this is interesting. I mean, are they enemies? I don't know. I mean, 
Are they less than enemies? Like, what's below enemies? You know, like a frenemy? No. Like, what, what, what do we call it? Like, but I'm thinking to myself, if, if, if either one of them considers themselves a Christ follower, well, I'm not saying they need to take their sign down. Vote. Absolutely. I already voted. I, I early voted. Okay, y'all slow. I don't know what's wrong with y'all. Listen, here's the deal. So I'm sitting there thinking, if you're a Christ follower, I think it would move you to get past your signs and past theirs and love them anyway. Now, let's say, let's say I'm sitting with, with these neighbors in these gated communities and we're talking about their banisters and their banners, okay? And they say, Ryan, there is nothing you can tell me to make me love my enemy. I would say to them, okay, I get it, but you do have to love your neighbor. <laughs> You're stuck with each other no matter what, even if you disagree. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why we've gathered here today. A man came to the planet and lived life in a way like no man had ever done it before. And we keep gathering and we keep lifting up his name because he was so awesome and he is so awesome. And his way is so much better than ours. I mean, at some point we have to ask ourselves, what do we really care about the most? Do we care more about people or do we care more about our way? <laughs> I had this friend who voted for Trump in 2016 and uh, he told someone at work that he was voting for Trump. And his coworker said, don't ever speak to me again. It's like, oh my gosh, who do you work with, man? It's crazy. Well, this election, he's, he's voting for Biden. I said, so do you get to talk to your coworker now? How does it work? Who's making the rules? I'm confused. You go back to my, hey man, I'm voting for Biden. We cool, can we go to lunch? Like, what do you do? Where are we gonna get our rules? Here's what I would hate for hap to happen for any person watching this message. Vote, vote your values. When I went to the voting booth, I prayed for five minutes. They probably thought I was tampering. Okay, I don't know, they were, they were, they were afraid. They were like, why is this guy standing? This is really weird. I'm like, because I believe that this is really a sacred thing. This is, this is something we, we really should be prayerful about. I'm not trying to steer you in one particular direction. Again, I'm just, Hey, for your soul, serious thing. But what I don't want to happen, my prayer for you, is that in this season, when you find yourself disagreeing with someone, when you find yourself in, in an awkward situation, in an opposing situation, especially around an election, don't let what you have with someone you do know Okay, you've got this connection with someone you actually know. And allow an allegiance to someone you don't know come in between someone you do. That's insane. So someone you may never meet in your life, yet there's this neighbor you see every day that you're going to go, no, I'm not going to talk to you because of this person neither of us know that we saw on TV. Man, if we're going to be Christ followers and we're going to lead the way for reconciliation in our world, if, if we're going to perhaps be a part of changing the brand of Christianity, man, I think we can vote how we vote, but not let how we vote be a stronger communication of who we are 
than how well we love other people. I love how this verse ends. It says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. In other words, Jesus is going, hey, hey man, like, it don't take much for you to love and like people like you. You need my type of love to get along with the world around you when they don't see things the same. Here's the deal. If I'm your enemy, if I am the adversary of your soul, here's what I would do. I wouldn't even try and attack you personally. What I would try to do is I would try and get in the middle of your relationships and cause dissension between you and the people you love and get you fighting each other and I'll just watch and laugh. Some of us have made enemies out of people that should be our friends. Some of us have made enemies out of people we follow on the internet. Some of us have made enemies out of people we are watching on television. Some of us have made an enemy out of our spouse and we're sleeping with the enemy. You're sleeping in the same bed, facing different directions, and you're asking yourself, how in the world did I get here? Perhaps the real enemy, the adversary of your soul, got you to be, make an enemy out of somebody that is your spouse. I can only imagine what would happen in your life if you began to take on Jesus' way and go, wait a minute, who am I actually mad at? Who am I actually fighting with? Think about this for a minute. Man, I'm... Man, maybe some of you need to just look at your spouse today and go, you're my wife. You're my husband. Some of you might need to grab a friend and go, you're my best friend. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're my boss. I, I love you. I don't know how we got here, but I know how we get out of here, and we're going to love each other no matter what. And here's why I know why Jesus is so adamant about loving our enemies. It's genius. It's because Jesus knows if you love your enemy long enough, they won't remain your enemy very long because you will have spent so much time going, I love you. I'm going to get past this. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to seek reconciliation because I'm following a way that's not my own way. I'm not bowing down to a culture that tells me to just write you off. I'm not bowing down to a culture that just tells me to just forget about you and never speak to you again because you don't speak my language and you don't think the way that I think and because of what you posted. No, I'm sorry, but I am here today because a God loved me enough to give me grace when I did not deserve it. So yeah, I'm just going to start giving grace to other people that maybe I don't think deserve it either, but guess what? I don't. So yeah. That's what I believe, ladies and gentlemen. I believe Jesus is for loving our enemies. And I think it's the best way to live. I've tried some other ways. It doesn't work really well. I believe your relationships will improve. When you begin to see every single person, the people that you love, your neighbors, your coworkers, your classmates, the people that are against you, the people that vote differently than you, when you begin to see all of them as candidates for the love of Jesus to flow through you. Hey, if you're here today and you say, Ryan, nice speech. 
I don't think I could ever live that way. I don't think I would ever have the strength to let go. I don't think I would ever have the strength to forgive them. What they did in my mind is egregious. I get it. You probably can't do it on your own. You're going to need somebody else's strength. Might I suggest Jesus Christ? If you're looking for motivation to get along with somebody that you'd rather write off, look to him. Don't look to the brand of Christianity. Look to the person of Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to give each and every person under the sound of my voice an opportunity of a lifetime to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of their life, to follow in his way. If that's you today, you're watching online, you're watching from wherever, wherever you're watching from today, I want us all to just say this prayer together. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask now that you would be the Lord and Savior of my life. I give you my future. I give you my relationships. I give you my dreams. I give you my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Come on, can we make some noise for everybody that prayed their prayer for the very first time?